Hi, good morning. Welcome to my podcast that I have dubbed, I Don't Shit Up. My name is Stormy, that's S-T-O-R-E-M-E, and the first episode of I Don't Shit Up is titled Ball and Chain. Ball and Chain is explicitly about what it means to be a Black Republican, why I am a Black Republican, and why I despise some of the moves, motives, and antics of the Democrats. And it will include a few personal experiences to further help guide my viewpoints. I decided it was necessary to produce a podcast or voice some of my political opinions because I have noticed on both sides of the political spectrums that the engines have been revving up, gearing for another strenuous battle of electoral turmoil. The purpose of this podcast, trust me, is not to sway anyone toward a particular side, but to open up a safe forum where ideas can be shared and respected. I am a bringer of truth, reflection, and facts. Well, let's dive right in. I would like to delve into the strategic targeting and blasphemy that Black Republicans face in the media. They are always depicted as race traitors and heartless souls who care nothing of their community. They are purposefully alienated from the rest of the black community with continuous shots being slung their way to prevent other African-Americans from wanting to join their Republican plight or just simply learn more. A specific individual that I would like to heavily emphasize is Ben Carson, but I also touch on the things that I've seen occurring with Condoleezza Rice and Candace Owens as well. Black Republicans are often targeted endlessly and mercilessly in the media without any real reason other than their political views. When in fact, the three people I aforementioned have contributed greatly to black culture and never get the recognition they deserve. We'll start with Ben Carson. He is the first ever American to separate conjoined twins and perform neurosurgery on a fetus brain while still in the the womb. He attended the prestigious John Hopkins University. I, as a biology major, know how incredibly important that is, and those contributions to science should never be negated by political views. He is one of our great African-American heroes. And the same could be said about the contributions of Condoleezza Rice and Candace Owens. Both of these women are very intelligent and they have been purposely ostracized and bullied by the African-American community because of their political views, which unfortunately has had the ability to overshadow their career accomplishments. These people are heavily bashed on the news and social media, like I just said, and those are our only sources or access to information. So I ask myself, Why do the major players in the world want to push for this type of conformity or single-minded thinking? I recently ran across a post on Instagram produced by The Shade Room where a View co-host, her name was Sunny Hostin, stated that being a black Republican Republican is an oxymoron. Basically, she said it's a contradiction. It doesn't make sense. That made me angry at first, but then it made my brain churn a little bit because I have seen this 
thought pattern before. Just in the 2020 election, Joe Biden said on the news, you ain't black if you don't vote Democrat. I'm a little confused by a statement such as these. Why must blacks vote Democrat? Why is that the defining factor that gets you kicked out of the black community? Or sort, quote unquote, uninvited to the cookout. It's not child molestation or enjoying child porn or murder, rape, or even domestic violence. But being a Republican gets you kicked out of the black community? That just doesn't make sense to me. And it seems very hypocritical that these transgressions that Ben Carson commits by being a Republican or sharing his political views allows him to receive equal or greater repercussions or ostracizations than O.J. Simpson, who is seemingly still accepted by the black community after committing murder and killing two people. The collectivist thinking contrived from hating black Republicans baffles me because it seems to be the only time when we are together on anything. We as a community, African Americans, stand together to kick people with different thoughts out of the community, despite their heavy contributions. More importantly, is that we don't stand together on anything else. We don't stand together to defeat our common oppressors, the pale faces. We don't collectively help the sick, the poor, or the disabled. There are no other signs of real unity and the classism that occurs in our community is heavily prevalent. So I ask myself once again, why do we st all stand together to hate black Republicans? I came to the conclusion that it's because that is all that is displayed in the media. Hating black people who have different thought patterns, different forms of thoughts is not a bad notion. Republicans, historically speaking, and their familial descendants have never had power or control over enslaved Africans. They have chosen to take a hands-off, I mind my own business approach. But if you are aware of the history of the Democrats, you know that they are the direct descendants of our ancestor slavers. So I ask myself, why are we fighting so hard for the people who placed our great, 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 great grandparents into slavery? They are directly related to the people who took everything from us. They stole us from our homelands. They took our language. They made our people do unthinkable things. They raped us. They beat us. They bred us. They have done terrible things to us. Now, today, 95% of African Americans are willing to raise hell and follow vehemently what the descendants of our tormentors say. Don't you think that they pass down some secrets to their children's children how to willingly lynch or control black people? I do. Have you guys ever heard those old black myths that say when our people left the physical bonds and confines of slavery for the North, that they traded in their chains for mental leashes so that they can be discreetly and invisibly controlled for an eternity? and impressed forever. I wholeheartedly agree with that myth. And quite frankly, I would rather be able to see my chains and know that I am still in captivity 
rather than be fooled by some obscurities that I cannot see. They continue to plague our people subconsciously and will do that until we are all gone. Now I want to give my rendition of what politics means to me and how the bipartisan system works. No, I'm not trying to be a know-it-all, but I take a Socratic approach to life and it forces me to break down everything I speak of. First, philosophically, we enter politics only after being well-educated with hopes of shaping where we live and helping our now educated brains shape the future. In today's society, under the bipartisan system, the two major parties are Republican and Democrat. And I'll go ahead and list some of the different viewpoints that are stressed. And these include education reform, taxes, military, gun control, abortion, immigration, health care, social justice reform, and privacy. And basically, to break down the difference between the basic difference between Democrats and Republicans is that the Democrats want a larger government and more government control, while the Republicans want less government control and rights to individual citizens. It baffles me that the media intentionally nullifies the intelligence of the black community by only emphasizing two of maybe the 20 viewpoints I just expressed. They render all other areas of politics none of our concern. Insultingly enough, the only two points that we as African Americans are allowed to have an opinion on is taxes and social justice. There are two reasons why I am insulted by the media and the Democrats only emboldening two of the maybe 20 points or issues that arise. One is that it sends a notion that we are not as intelligent as our white counterparts to discuss or be included in the discussions of the other 18 points. Secondly, the viewpoints themselves allude to the false narrative that our nature about our nature that white people paint for us. The issue of taxing the rich more and the poor less pushes the narrative that as a race, we selfishly only care about monetary gain. Don't get me wrong, I care about money as much as the next person, but the perception of greed should not be more stigmatized on the black community any more than the Asians, Mexicans, or whites. We, they are just as greedy as us. Secondly, the issue of social justice being emphasized is wrong because it, I mean, the issue itself is very important, but I believe siding with the Democrats every time who gives us nothing but false promises and small welfare checks is nothing. Especially when it can be quantitatively observed that Asian and Mexican communities give way more money than black people. They live, they live in nicer neighborhoods and after just one generation, they live well while after 50 generations, African-Americans are still in the slums. 
Anyway, mathematically speaking, agreeing with only one or two points of a political party platform while disagreeing with the other 19 points leaves you with a fraction of 1 out of 20. Divide that and you get 0.05%. As opposed to listening to Republican politics and agreeing to maybe 10 out of the 20. And you get maybe a 50%. I'm saying that to say because historic... I'm saying that because... African Americans statistically our views align more with conservatives. And if we don't agree with a few of conservative issues through collaborative efforts, we can work that out. To me, Republicans operate under traditional principles, one being learning to be self-sufficient, which is very important. This can be related to the old saying, if you give a man to a fish, he eats for one day, but if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Republicans want to teach men to fish or citizens to exist without relying on anyone else, while the Democrats want to give black want to give the black man a fish each day of a small proportion so that we keep coming back for more. And now look at us, six hundred years later, still in the same spot, begging for this same piece of fish specifically in this analogy fish can be exchanged for welfare section 8 food stamps and all of those things the amount of money we get is minuscule compared to what asians and mexicans get and on top of that the democrats heavily control and manipulate our culture they in my opinion operate on a ball and chain mechanism using our beautiful black faces as shields for their pale ones and setting us up to face a war we cannot win. And when the battle ensues, they will not be there to fight with us. They change their ideologies and flip on us at the drop of a hat. And then they leave us unarmored on a battlefield fighting a war they ignited in us. One good example of this that I recently seen so that you guys know I'm not just pulling shit from my ass, is the issue of police brutality. One of the first um, ideas that came about to solve the issue of police brutality was defunding the police. At first, the Democrats were all gung-ho about the idea, and yes, we'll defund the police. Then, once Joe Biden got into office or was elected president, he did the exact opposite and increased police funding. So that begs the question, why were they so willing to agree or use the carrot stick model approach with us and agree to defunding the police when the whole time the Democratic platform planned on increasing police funding? Harshly speaking now, as a community, we African-Americans no longer need to keep up with the sham of lies that allows us to pretend that we are not failing each other as a race and just waking up applying makeup to form that overly gorgeous face that we have. I have noticed that everything we do is for appearances, likes, followers, and notoriety of some sort. We are continuously looking for recognition from a fictitious meta-universe, pun intended. I am pointing this out to say if we actually put in the work to improve our communities, we can actually be benevolent when cameras are rolling. 
are not rolling. During pressured election seasons, I see the facade of black unity being pushed very hard when its kinetic energy should be so high that it doesn't even need a push. Furthering that false unified mindset casts a dark shadow of Ill, Ill intent on good deeds. For example, the rising trend of receiving, recording all good deeds for others to see, I think is ridiculous. It is, it garners some sort of attention from being a good person and this social media driven behavior destroys the entire concept of intrinsic motivation. And in my opinion, absolutely negates the positivity of the deed itself. So just to give you guys a little background on myself, I graduated college, but I'm currently unemployed and homeless, but I'm not like living on the streets. I'm living with family. But if I were living on the streets and someone offered to give me something, and but in the other hand, they were recording it, me with a camera phone, I would flip out. I would be incredibly angry. So imagine how homeless people feel when you all record them when you give them something. It, it, what are you doing it for? The hungry, the sick, and the poor should always be cared for, no matter the audience or the time period. And definitely, the giver should never expect anything in return. Attempting to frame yourself as pure without having good intentions can be metaphorically compared to washing white clothes and then turning out a nasty yellow color instead of white. So you wash your clothes and you want cocaine white and they turn out a nasty, musty yellow color, but you want it white. You know, that that I just want that imagery in your head if you're trying to have pure intentions, but you're not going about it the right way. So I often see trends coming about through social media apps being a of the Gen Z generation, and I am baffled by technology's ability to control our citizens. Humans or people are supposed to control technology. Technology should not control people. As a whole, we as Americans do not experience real life out of the lenses sitting behind our iris. We have exchanged God's natural gift of sight for a cheaply made Chinese cell phone. We don't experience real life because we are too busy experiencing life through our phones or that virtual reality that we would rather exist in. Now, I would just like to touch on the classism that I've noticed between specifically the middle and lower classes. Speaking from the bottom of the socioeconomic spectrum, I have noticed the astute classism between the lower and middle classes. I first noticed this classism during my undergraduate at a private Catholic institution. It was a predominantly white institution, but the few minorities present we all knew each other and we all hung out first i noticed that these other minorities i mentioned were minorities in skin tone only i immediately saw how classes they were and the powerful oppression they wielded just stemming from the middle class they thought they could manipulate me more due to my lack of knowledge and newness to that secluded environment they used me more for the little I did have due to me thinking at the time that I needed friends and that was necessary. They also had the ability to control my narrative 
through gossiping and their close connections to the white middle class. Um, they were also pretty upset that I wasn't impressed by them having more than me, that I would not follow them, that I wanted to follow my own path. And so that raised a few brows to me. You know, I was always taught to be a free thinker and never conform to thought. I also noticed that the middle class does this a lot. They like to steal ideas, fashion, culture, and moves from the lower class and then profit greatly and never giving us a dime or any credit at all. One specific example of this that I have seen in the media recently that I wanted to comment on since this is a podcast and I am of the Gen Z generation is um, Meg, Meg Thee Stallion, the hot girl hottie. She just recently stole the style and verbiage from a lesser known TikToker named Roll It Up K. She bit off her style and gave her no credit. She basically used her money and power to steal from a smaller platform. So that is what I'm saying that the middle class does to the lower class. They use their status and their power to bite off of smaller platforms. And the way society is set up right now, all tangible forms or tangible goods that could alleviate the suffering and pain of the lower classes, it has to funnel through the middle class. But the middle class squeezes everything and they don't allow anything to get to the lower classes. So I, being a member of the lower class, do not believe that they handle these responsibilities by distributing any goods and services to the lower class responsibly at all. Not only does the media misrepresent African-Americans, but they purposely posit us as the direct enemies of white Republicans when they are not our direct enemies enemies in my opinion the number one enemy that i have seen to the african-american community is the middle class white woman they have their foots directly on our necks this the women the middle class white women are at the tip of what i would like to call an evil bermuda triangle the next most dangerous predator is the middle class white man the middle class white man is almost as easily is almost as dangerous as the middle class white woman, but the middle class white woman has those white woman tears that allows sympathy and this the strength in her daintiness that always will win against an African American. So I like to use this analogy. If I had to choose between going down a dark fork road with the world's most worst Republican man and the world's best man from the Democratic Party, I'm choosing the Republican. That's because I've noticed in their behavior, Democrats like to throw stones and then hide their hands, and you never know they stole their through those stones, while Republicans show you both hands and bluntly say what they want to say out of their mouth so you know how they feel. I'd rather know how someone feels about me and not be attacked from behind. Another reason why... I wholeheartedly support the Republican Party is because I understand that at the very least, they are only trying to protect their homelands to preserve America, which is what we all um, African-Americans have been in America since the 1400s. We all as Americans should be trying to protect America. 
we have just as much right to this land to America as anyone else and we should be more than willing to clean up the environment and make sure our homes are nice the Democrats on the other hand do not have any clear agenda about what they are trying to accomplish and they do not have stepwise plans on how to accomplish anything African Americans unfortunately by willingly following people without questioning their goals or intentions have shown an inability to critically think on our own. This does make us a liability and that is why I encourage free thought and research. We are force-fed thoughts and ideas and compelled to regurgitate them verbatim, never producing any original thoughts. If you take what you were given, you will never go after more. The Democrats have convinced us to sell our soul for pennies when they are worth priceless jewels. We are descendants of kings and queens. Believe it or not, African-Americans, don't forget that. Where we come from in Africa, you don't know. Like The Egyptians, were, they were the first civilized society. If you watch Anything about the Egyptians, you know how they mined for gold, how their communities were lavish, how they were thoroughly sophisticated, how they had the first written text, the hieroglyphic text, how they were thorough in art, language, they traded, they bartered. So if you know your African history, you know that we didn't come from some classless, debauched society that, that, that they would like for us to think. And also, we as African Americans never reap the benefits of voting in Democratic's favor. In the last election, for example, they raised a lot of panic in our lives and uncertainty, and they purposely forced us into a fight or flight response mode. They made us feel so vulnerable and endangered that we scurried to their side, clinging to their promises and hope for a better future like little rodents. Now that that time period has passed and our heads are clear and we are no longer deathly afraid, I just want to point out two main themes that put us in that frenzied state that was media created and false. Number one was the coronavirus. And it occurred conveniently during peak election time. Each year, more people die from the flu and no one's definitely afraid of the flu. Also, COVID has been around for years. And this is just a different, COVID-19 was just a different variation. There's SARS-CoV-2 and other different types of COVID. So this wasn't anything new. So why was widespread panic present? Lastly, the COVID pandemic wasn't even deadly enough to be classified as a plague. There has been recorded histories of plague since the beginning of time. So once again, the media strategically spread panic during the election. And that raises a lot of questions for me. Why would they spread this much panic during the election time period? The second theme that was raised was police brutality. Now, I do not stand for excess brutality against African Americans, but the number of events that occurred during the 2020 election time period did not increase between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. 
It was just the news coverage and the panic spread that increased. So I'm trying to say is that the news media purposely reported on more police shootings when they should always report on police shootings from African Americans. But during that time period, they everything they purposely everything it was just blasted everywhere. When this happens all the time, the number of events never increased. And that's strategic reporting and it should be wrong because that I mean, that's all that we are allowed access to. When you turn on the TV, you turn on Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 2, wherever you get your news. Those are the only access to see information that we have. So if they're strategically doing things at, at specific time periods to control us, it's wrong. The media also has a problem with misrepresenting the entire black population with opinions flowing from the faces of a few, the elite blacks. The people you see glorified in the media and news, trust me, you know they don't. They do not look like regular everyday folk like you and I do. They are genetically different in their roles and they are used to control the minds of the regular folk. The specific black people with public TV jobs have never known our level of struggle and they speak for us without even identifying as one of us. They wouldn't dare step foot in our community, our hood, our surrounding areas because it would bring down the false reality that exists and shatter it right above their heads. They lie about who they are. They pretend to be one of us and then speak as if they are us and then they're afraid to go in the hood. As an African-American from the lower class, I can attest that we have to work 10 times as hard as anyone else due to strategic gatekeeping. I want the lower class black to separate from the middle class. They are not our friends. Just because they look like us on the outside does not mean they identify with us on the inside. They who have lived different lives, trust me. In addition to not seeing the middle class as our friends, we also should not see the media as a reputable source, nor should we think that Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter are reputable sources because we all know that those are algorithms that can be changed and they can be controlled and make you think in a certain way. Here's an example of why we shouldn't trust the media. I've always had these discussions with my friends and family and we just noticed something very specific and this is what I want to share with you guys. So, have you ever noticed yourself that when a white man gets arrested for a crime, they use, them being the news media, they use a family photo um, of him smiling and being lovely with his wife and children. But when a black person is accused of the exact same crime, they find the meanest, most gruesome photo they can find to purposely negatively sway public opinion. In the end, after that trial's over, the man that they used a family photo, the white man, will get five years in prison, while the black man will get 25 years to life in the same, for the same crime. So this just shows that news media will purposely skew public opinion, and it's never in our favor. You can look up all of the mugshots shown on TV or all the photos when a crime is committed and compare them across races. And you will see that a family photo is always used of a white 
crime committer, but a evil, nasty, pre- previous um, incarceration photo is always used of an African-American. Even when Kyle, I don't remember his last name, but Kyle, the guy who shot um, the protesters, I'm pretty sure they used a smiling family photo of him on the news. Not something they would have used if it was an African-American. Now I'll go into issues that I've had with the 2020 election. Just the past election, there were a few discrepancies that made me incredibly angry. First, it is the false representation of the first female African-American vice president, Kamala Harris. She originally presented herself as an African-American woman. And then upon attaining the necessary clout she needed, she shifted her entire demographic. She no longer considered herself an African-American. She made sure her native heritage was at the forefront and that her other nationalities watered down the black in her that allowed her to rise to the top in the first place. And that made me very upset because once again, she had a white husband, she had two white children, she was native. So it was more of when she wanted the black vote, um, I'm black, I'm African-American, I'll be the first African-American or first woman vice president. But then once she got elected, I'm actually Native American and my husband's white and I have no real ties to the black community. So that, that's just how I felt about the situation. And this behavior, just to give another example of this, it can be seen in what happened with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is what some would say the best golf player of all time. His ability to thrive in a sport that rarely any other counterparts from his race play in is very inspiring. We as African Americans were so proud to finally have a great black golf player. He then said, I'm not African American, I'm called Asian. A mixture of all three races, one no more important than the other. And he put the call first. What a blow to the face of a race of people looking for identity and pride. He didn't want to be considered an African American. Then, on the other hand, when he got caught cheating on his wife, he was willing to take that black man title. So that just shows like when you are doing great, you're a great golf player, you're winning, I'm a Caucasian. But when you're a disgusting cheater, you're an African-American man. That's what they expect of us. So it's more of him willingly taking on these titles and roles that are given to him, or maybe he gave them to himself. But um, him not wanting to be known as an African-American stands out to me. Another thing that happened during the 2020 elections or that the Democrats heavily used the Black Lives Matter organization for their community outreach and support. First, let me start off by saying Black lives really matter. Our population is in a very vulnerable state that helping and healing us should be the primary focus of the nation. With that being said, the Black Lives Matter organization itself that exists today founded by Patrice Collars, has been found to be fraudulent. They misappropriate funds, lie about community outreach, 
and pad their pockets with money gathered from others suffering. They also got their start from an illegitimate fashion and will not name their initial donor. This whole organization makes African Americans look bad in my opinion. Despite these things being already known, the Democrats willingly partnered with them during the election. And then once upon getting the nomination, they didn't even respond to the organization. They never set up any correspondence with the Black Lives Matter campaign after getting into office. In my opinion, how we should have more organizations, but we should stop dealing with Black Lives Matter. But we can set up, it's really easy to set up a nonprofit organization. We can set up African American nonprofit organizations all across the country, but they have to be transparent and legitimate and actually aid the black community. They have to be in the streets, giving out food, helping in every way they can. They should not be living in mansions based off of nonprofits or money gathered from African-Americans dying. Basically is what Black, Ma- black Lives Matter is done. She has seven mansions. Also, now I would like to comment on what I consider the cheating that occurred during the 2020 presidential election. First of all, the Democrats were pushing heavily for absentee ballots and the unbelievably large number that of absentee ballots that were sent in was unprecedented, meaning it has never happened in history that this many people sent in absentee ballots. And that definitely raised a brow for me. I believe with a certain degree of certainty that the worst parts of the African-American community are not included in anything. They're not counted on surveys. They're not counted in the census. No one cares about who we are or even if we exist. So basically, there is no real record of parts of that community because people are afraid to step foot in some parts of the hood. With that being said, if they receive any type of governmental aid, that would allow their personal information to be easily accessed by the most basic hacker. So I'm saying is that poor people's private information is not heavily secured. Getting their address, social security card, and any social security number and any information needed for voting on the absentee ballot if they receive governmental aid can be very easy. And once you breach that information, it will be even easier to fill out an absentee ballot and send in a vote. And then those people would never know they voted in the 2020 election. So that is how I think the Democrats cheated by pushing for absentee ballots and then voting for inner city African-Americans without their knowledge. Cause no one other than the organization that was breached. And obviously if they're a private or a public sector organization, they're not going to tell the world that they got breached and allowed tons of private information to flow out that that just wouldn't be known um i also would like to if you guys didn't notice it point out that algorithms on apps began to change during the election specifically the entire meta universe including snapchat facebook and instagram twitter as well All of the common social media sites that I was on at the time, I started personally receiving targeted political ads and I started to notice people whom I was friends with on those applications trying to cyber bully me for having Republican political opinions. 
I was a little skeptical at first because I hadn't really shared any of my political opinions to them. So I was just wondering why I would get targeted ads or targeted bullying about private opinions. I initially began posting random teasing Snapchats and taking and not really taking politics seriously. I would post an opinion here and there when I saw something really grind my gears. And now Snapchat, I would I would just post things on Snapchat. I thought it was a private, sneaky little app and you can if you have a few friends, those are the only people that can see it. And somehow my small private Snapchats spread to all areas of my social media platforms. People started messaging me, being rude to me on apps that I had never spoken one political word on. I was thoroughly confused as to how it seemed like all of these apps were teaming up or balling into one meta app to destroy my political opinions. Then one of my old teachers, Marquita Reef from Metro High School, who has hair on her face, posted on Facebook that you shouldn't be a Republican if you don't have millions of dollars in your bank account. I initially felt that was targeted towards me, saying that basically I'm too broke to be a Republican. I, for one, don't think politics should be solely based on money. I think it should be based on thought and philosophy. I felt like I was... I felt like that post was specifically meant for me because I was after I had already gotten a few other messages from strangers and I was thoroughly confused as to why my 60 year old music teacher from high school when at the time I had already finished college would even know my political views that I had shared on my private Snapchat when I hadn't spoken to her in about eight years and we never had a private or personal relationship. We were just simply Facebook friends. And then I also noticed girls who had bullied me in high school doing the same things. They, um, we, on Facebook, they would just have messages displayed that seemed directly targeted for me. And I just assumed that the apps were just being wonky. And I'm just coming to the conclusion that these applications care nothing about our privacy. And, as well, these views even somehow reached my pharmacy school. UMKC School of Pharmacy definitely targeted me after learning of my Republican views. They kicked me out of the library once, and they were extremely rude and cold to me for my entire extent of education at that university. Another reason for my staunch advocation for the Republican platform is their belief in free thought. They will tell their substituents the truth and they will never tell us that we must all think the same, that it is bad if you think differently because it's not. It should be welcome to have different forms of free thought so you can find different avenues to reach decisions. My lifelong history of being a Democrat, I've always had Democratic affiliations. It has shown me that they will stomp out any fire of breath that breathes differently than what they want. They encourage similar forms of radicalized thought, and if you don't agree with their ideas, they are willing to obliterate you. Freedom of thought, in my opinion, should be added to the First Amendment of the Constitution, right alongside freedom of speech, 
press, and religion. Freedom of thought is just as important as the other three. It's just intangible, which makes other people forget about it or think that it's less important. I also heavily oppose targeted ads to the black community designed specifically to persuade us to do certain things by using people that we respect for their art. We as a community respect for their art. They pay people of influence a boatload of money to publicly convince others to do things. One of my strongest examples of this occurred during the 2016 elections in which I heard on the radio ad and ad for Hillary Clinton. This ad featured Kerry Washington. At the time, she was an actress for the then popular television show Scandal and was expressing support for Hillary by using her role as Olivia Pope on that fictitious show to cement her views as to why Hillary Clinton would make a great president. I thought that that was very insulting to African-Americans and our intelligence to think that a woman who played a president's mistress on TV was the best person the Democrats could find to reach out to black minorities and make us feel safe to vote in their favor. Another example of this is shown in how celebrities like LeBron James, Lil Baby, Roddy Rich, all of them are used to convince people who are fans of their specific artwork to vote or think in a certain way. This also can be tied to the high level of vaccinations and how it was heavily pushed on the black community. Um, for one, I just saw anybody with an, on Instagram with a blue check mark, they were pushing, you need to get the vaccine, you need to get the vaccine. And, and our community is so, we have such a lack of education. We're just, so, we're willing to follow anything that anyone with a hint of influence says. So with that being said, the vaccine is not, has not been thoroughly tested. It can cause harm to people. There were not phase three testing on small populations. We don't know the harmful effects 10 years down the road from such a, from inputting something like that in our body. So what I'm saying is they're forcing, or they basically forced all of us to get that vaccination through motivation of influencers when we don't know the negative effects that it'll cause 10 years from now. What if we grow an arm and out of our heads? Or what if we just start getting extra limbs? Or what if our bones start breaking down? We will never know. And it's too late because I got the vaccine and, and I'm just thinking about this stuff later. But just using people who have influence to convince people with less money or less or just who are looking for someone to lead us to do things such as put a, a harmful virus because it's an attenuated virus so it's an inactivated form of the virus so if you just look up the research of the virus it's not thoroughly researched and it was heavily emphasized for the black community to take it um i'm gonna stop here i would like to say this podcast is just simply meant to stimulate the mind and to potentially create a forum for discussions and free thought i am not attempting to convince anyone to be a republican but i am saying Explore your own thoughts and express factually based opinions. I say more talking is better, more debate is necessary, and we should always be willing to improve our level of thinking. Stormy is out. 
I will be producing another podcast in this series. Stay tuned.